This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hi there, welcome into this podcast. Movies very much on the menu with William Mullally. And we took a look at the new one, the big one, of course, for the festive season, Wonka. We took a look at that and many others, including the new Aquaman film as well. Enjoy the podcast and join me live on the show, weeknights 8 through 10, here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back into the show. William Mullally is with us once again. We love it, let me tell you, when he joins us on the show. He's the Arts and Culture Editor at The National. Congratulations on that new title, William. And um, as ever, we're going to look at some movies that we need to be watching. The big one, I'm hearing wonderful reports about this, is Wonka. Uh, Perfect um, for the season. What have you heard? Honestly, here's the thing. I I haven't seen it yet. Um, But... This is because I just can't fathom it being good. <laughs> what? I can't. I don't know. And this is probably going to be very controversial. Some people are going to be screaming very angrily at their radios right now. Um, but I don't know. It's just something with Paul King. He did Paddington 1 and 2, yeah. which most people found to be these delightful odes to this beloved childhood character that kept this sort of magic and whimsy that made even adults feel like they were kids again. For me, uh, I don't know. It just felt like being an adult wandering through a toy store. You know, it just felt like I, there was nothing for me to play with here. Nothing. None of this felt like it was for me. And Wonk is giving me those same vibes. But I, I think if you loved the Paddington films, this film is apparently a delight. I'm really interested to see what Timothy Chalamet does. A uh, Chalamet. I always do that. <laughs> does here as um, Willy Wonka himself. Here, not as the sort of benevolent question mark, benevolent question mark, um, chocolate factory owner who kind of wreaks havoc on some deserving children, ultimately giving Charlie the keys to the kingdom. But here he is at his youngest, brightest, most, I guess, good-hearted self here trying to set up a chocolate factory in a landscape that has no need for his whimsy and his magic, and they just want things to be boring, and he's being special and fun, and everything is going to be great. I don't know, man. This just feels like uh, artificial sugar, I guess you can say for me. It feels a bit saccharine. Um, But who knows? I think a lot of people are going to be very excited. Are are you excited to see this one? I I am, yeah, and I'm going to be going along this weekend. And uh, I'm wondering if it's too old for my granddaughter, who's uh, only five. But anyway, I'm I'm definitely going to give it a blast, uh, for sure. I mean, you know... When you mentioned Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, the face of Gene Wilder just always pops up in front of my face. So I'm interested to see, as you say, what uh, Mr. Mr. Chalamet has, has done with it. That's the thing. I just love the Gene Wilder so much. I love Gene Wilder in general. Um, the producer is also one of my favorite movies. But I don't know. I just, it's just, every single clip I see of young Timothy here, he just seems like he's acting so hard. He's just doing this impression. That was the exact same problem that I had with Johnny Depp's um, Wonka, who was just a, a bit too quirky to a fault, a bit over-considered, a bit false. Whereas Gene Wilder's is just so naturalistic. He just feels real. It's just, I don't think any character can be better embodied by an actor, but I don't know. People keep trying and failing, but who knows? I, I'm willing to go see it and be proven wrong. It's just <laughs> not my first priority. I've had a number of other films that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, okay. okay. Here's the trailer, though, for, for Wonka. 
You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor, and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that, reverse it. Mr. Wonka, I can see you're a man of great ingenuity. What are you doing? I'm making chocolate, of course. How do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. Many people have come here to sell chocolate. They've all been crushed by the chocolate cartel. You can't get a shop without selling chocolate, and you can't sell chocolate without a shop. No daydreaming. What are we gonna do, Willie? Huh. Huh? Huh. A double hop. Get the pencil and paper. Uh-huh. I got an idea. So that's the trailer then for Wonka, definitely going to be filling out uh, cinemas. Now, something else that you want to talk about is The Boy and uh, the Heron, and this has um, kind of piqued my interest as well. Um, animated movie, The Boy and the Heron, what do we know about this? So, Hayao Miyazaki, who is the grandmaster of Japanese animation, and yeah. honestly, at this point, probably animation overall, he's probably the most acclaimed, beloved person who has ever <laughs> committed anything to the, in that country and probably one of the, uh, I came in Walt Disney, are the two most beloved um, internationally. He's really just a genius. It's really hard to overstate, probably impossible to overstate, who has slowly built up a fandom across the world, you know, starting, you know, back with Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, or Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, you know, all the way through you know, movies like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke, which kind of brought him to a bigger international prominence in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and, you know, continuing on, his last film, which was supposed to be his final film called The Wind Rises, was kind of a nice pairing with Oppenheimer, actually. It was about the man who invented the plane that the bomb was dropped from. Um, but here he is back in his kind of surrealist um, uh, just magical, imaginative space. I, I would put this one much more closely to Spirited Away than anything I've seen from him in a while about some a very close story to his own. It's about a young mm. boy whose mother dies in a fire and his father gets remarried to his mother's sister. He moves out to her childhood home that his mother also was raised in, goes off into the woods and finds himself in a different world. And it's beautifully animated, beautifully yeah. told, yeah. very soulful, and all unexpectedly, I think, poignant in a lot of different ways. And you can see that he's pouring not only his heart and, self, and, his heart and soul, but also his full imagination, his full powers as an animator, just some of those beautiful images ever committed to screen, um, no exaggeration. And I just found it extremely powerful. I will put a caveat and I was just talking about this with someone, that I do think that there are two types of people in the world, two types of brains, and I'm oversimplifying, I'm over-exaggerating. <laughs> people with and people brain. without. <laughs> but no, there are people, there is movie brain and there is TV brain. And I think movie brain is just being able to take, and it's kind of like going to a museum and seeing a beautiful painting, and you're thinking first and foremost about how this is making you feel and then kind of trying to interpret a meaning. Um, whereas TV brain is much more straightforward. It's much more following a narrative. It's much more we're going to figure things out. We're going from piece to the next piece. You know, it's serialized yeah, yeah, yeah. in this way. And I think there's a lot of movies that I love that if you are TV brain, if you just like watching shows, you like when things are a bit more straightforward, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just a different way to watch things. These things don't really hit. 
I think this one is very much cinema as art. I found it very purely enjoyable. My eyes were glued to the entire screen, but I also love going to a modern art gallery. If that doesn't sound like your thing, I think a more straightforward narrative is probably your thing. So <laughs> definitely don't yeah. be writing me any angry letters if you go to this. <laughs> Does it really click? I think it's definitely for a certain type of person. But if you are the type of person, this movie is one of the best of the year, unequivocally. When you say type of person, is it is it going to appeal to the anime crowd? Is, is that what it's aimed at? Or is it a bit more artsy, would you say, than that? Uh, but it's, it's artsy, but not in a way that feels pretentious or different. But I feel like... If you anime people, I think are are pretty well um, conditioned to just love this man and his work. Yeah, so I, yeah. I would fire up Netflix, put on Spirited Away. If you don't get anything out of it, then maybe book some Wonka tickets this weekend. Okay, that's the boy and the heron. We're going to come back and look at more movies that we might want to go along and see this week. This is the Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Welcome back to the show. William Mullally joins us at talking all things at film. We've looked at The Boy and the Heron and also, of course, the big uh, title Wonka that's out this week. Another one that I want to touch on is Goodbye Julia. Um, this one in Arabic, but getting rave reviews. What do we know about this film? So this film premiered at Cannes. Um, and is honestly one of the best movies of the year. It's, I think it's a, a masterpiece from the region. And it is also, you know, similar to The Boy and the Heron, very much a deeply personal story inspired by the, the filmmaker's own life. He was, I, mean, I, I know the guy very well, Mohamed Kordofani. And he was at his home when the referendum in Sudan was announced. And it was announced that 98% of the people of the, of the south of the country voted to secede and form their own country. And he couldn't really make sense of it. You know, it's just why would all these people want to leave us? Why do they not want to be in one country anymore? Mm. And he started having to reckon with the racism that not only his, you know, country had inflicted upon these people, but that he himself had. You know, he grew up in a household with people from the South working as as servants, basically, and hearing all of these sorts of generalizations about them, treated as, as different than the people of the North. And he's really, it really broke his heart. And uh, slowly that became what this story is. It's the story of a woman named Munna who accidentally causes, um, accidentally, you know, has a, a car accident, hits a young kid, does not kill him. But as the father is chasing after her, trying to find out what just happened and get an explanation um, from the woman, her husband comes out of the house and shoots the man dead. And he, they are from the north. Um, this man is from the south, mm. but she is just ridden with guilt. And in her guilt goes and finds the, the wife and the child, finds the child is okay, but they obviously no longer have a provider. And so without telling the woman who she is or what the connection with her husband is, because in all her mind, her husband is just missing, um, she invites her to become her maid and lives with her for a number of years. Oh, what a story. So we see, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing story. And so we have this great relationship between um, the three of them. You know, we have the, the husband who is, you know, he takes care of his wife. He, he's a man of honor. He's a man of duty, but he's deeply racist and very controlling. 
of his wife. We have this woman who, because of the situation, is forced to, to lie about not only what she's done, but lying about so many things in her life, hiding who she really is, unable to show her true face to the world. Yeah. And uh, as well as this young woman who has no other options. She's taken in by these people, but what else could she have done? How else could she take care of her son? And if any sort of conflicts arises, can she afford to question them? So I, I think it's an incredibly powerful film that I luckily saw in a packed audience um, here in Dubai, and I would request anyone um, do the same and book your tickets because the Sudanese community is, uh, honestly, to, to generalize a bit, they are amazing in supporting um, Sudanese art. So it's been packing houses across the region. I think a lot of that is the community showing up to support their own. And I, I think it's definitely worth seeing this on the biggest screen possible because I, I promise you, you'll not be bored for a moment. Lovely. That sounds uh, absolutely amazing. Now, um, we've got to touch on this one. I don't, I'm not feeling the hype like I did with the first Aquaman, uh, but uh, Jason Momoa is back with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Well, that's the thing. So, okay, I know I get businessy sometimes, but I'm going to get a bit businessy right now. Because if we look, go back to June, The Flash was, in Warner Brothers' mind, the studio that produced the film, going to be their biggest film of the year, maybe one of their biggest of all time. They, they had huge hopes for it. They thought it was an absolute masterpiece. And not only did it completely flop at the box office, mm. it is one of the most hated movies of the year. It's showing up on a lot of people's <laughs> worst movies of the year list, okay. know, major critics. And so I think this gave them some trepidation. I think this made them feel that, okay, we are about to reset things completely. In just a year and a half's time, we're going to have a Superman film with James Gunn, who's taking over all of DC, outlining a new future for the DC universe, setting things with you know, new characters and new reimaginations of the characters that we already know. And so this is the last film from the old actors, the old characters. And so it's kind of stuck in this weird middle ground. So it's like, okay, The Flash didn't do well. We're about to reset things completely in a year and a half. Maybe let's just kind of quietly put this one in cinemas. Maybe people go. Who knows? But I don't think that the, the lack of buzz is necessarily a indictment of its quality, especially from a studio that doesn't seem to know when they have a good movie or not. So I'm very curious, especially because I, you know, I do love Jason Momoa in this, in this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love James Wan as a director. You know, I think he's incredibly talented going back to Saw, including things like Malignant. Um, you know, Insidious, he's just a tremendously talented person. Um, Fast and the Furious 7. So I really want to see what he brings to this. I am cautiously optimistic, but if this is not your thing, I, I wouldn't be afraid to give it a skip and wait for a year and a half for Superman Legacy to be hitting cinemas because that is the start of everything. And this is more of a, a final farewell. Here's a trailer then for Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. Four years ago, I was basically unemployed. A wanderer with no home. But now, I'm a husband and a father. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm the idea, boss. My job was a little less stressful than yours. Oh, yeah. I finally got a job. I'm the king of Atlantis. Half a billion people from every known species in the sea 
call this place home. But that doesn't mean they all like me. Well, there's the trailer for Aquaman. Just before I let you go, William, a little bit of news on Eddie Murphy, who is apparently going to reprise his role as the wisecracking Detective Foley. Um, Axel F. in Beverly Hills Cop on Netflix. Honestly, it might sound a bit weird, but I was kind of most excited to see Judge Reinhold back as his foil because I think Eddie needs a great straight man. He's incredibly funny. He's he's Eddie Murphy. I don't know anything about this. But... I, I love their interplay. I love their connection. So I think if this does anything to recapture the magic of, you know, not, not only the series, but especially of that first film, I think it's going to be between those two. And, you know, I, I definitely am happy to see him back. And I, again, cautiously optimistic for this one. We love Eddie. And hopefully this is not just a boring retread of past jokes, right. sticking more bananas into tailpipes. Especially when tailpipes seem to be mostly fake on modern cars. <laughs> anyway, so we, lo- we love the theme that. tune, don't we? A, a little bit of Harold Faltermeyer and uh, Axel F goes now rather well. William, thanks so much for being with us on the show. We're going to catch up with you again this week, of course, with uh, the festive weekend uh, ahead and uh, see what we need to be watching when it comes to those Christmas movies. William, the arts and culture editor from The National, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.